everybody. Lance Russell and Dave Brown right along ringside. By golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Sully, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. That's right, 100% guaranteed territory talk each and every time out here on the show. And I am your host, Ray Russell. And this week, guys, going to continue on with April of 1981 in Georgia Championship Wrestling with guest co-host Jamie Ward. And no fear for you Mid-South UWF fans, Roman Gomez going to be back very soon to talk more of that Mid-South wrestling in 1986 with the Crockett Cup looming right around the corner. But before we get going, just a friendly reminder that you can listen to Regional Wrestling along with sister shows like the Wrestling Memory Grenade, currently covering the 1987 WWF project over there on the Grenade. You can also listen to Monday Warfare, the battles within. It's Raw versus Nitro as I break down the weekly episodic story that was the Monday Night War. Currently in the summer of 1996 there on Monday Warfare. And you can listen to all of those shows, including regional wrestling and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met from Apple to Spotify, Google and beyond. And be sure to follow me on social media, guys. Follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. And follow and like me at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Follow me on social media for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And hey, while you're at it, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can find me there at YouTube.com slash wrestling grenade uploading new footage all the time over there at youtube and guys now is also a great time to become a wrestlecopia patron and you can find me there at patreon.com slash wrestlecopia that address again patreon.com slash wrestle c-o-p-i-a multiple tiers to choose from guys but i'm only asking you to give it a try at that five dollar all access tier get you all sorts of gifts for just five bucks, including all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes, talking pages upon pages of show notes for every episode of The Grenade, Monday Warfare, and the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Plus, you'll also get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia, where you can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. But that's not all. It's also remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show, covering the 1989 NWA project, includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations that were originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the show. But that's still not all. You also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. More digital downloads coming this week to the All Access members, so stay tuned, guys. And then from there, of course, you'll also get our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. And you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. 
No subscription, cancel any time. Help show your support. Give it a try for a month. I think you'll like the content that I offer. And every penny of it goes right back here, guys, into paying all the bills for the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So please, if you can, help me pay some of those bills. I've got a big editing software bill coming up around the corner. I greatly appreciate your support, your help. So if you can, please help by showing your support. Join the all-access tier for just $5 and keep WrestleCopia and all of the podcasts here on the brand up and running for the months and the years to come. All right, guys, and with all of that out of the way, time to jump back into the year of 1981 as we head back once more to Georgia Championship Wrestling. All right, guys, we're not going to waste any time in bringing him back to the show once more. One of the co-hosts here of the Regional Wrestling Podcast, currently on this journey with me through Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Jamie Ward. Jamie, I hope you're staying cool out there working in that hot summer sun. It's a tough summer so far. I mean, fortunately, temperatures are staying in the low 90s. But that humidity is just a killer. Do you get humidity out there in Ohio? Oh, God, do we ever? <laughs> yeah, humidity is a killer. That's what I was telling Roman out there in Vegas. I said, I'll take that 100-degree sun every day over the humidity we get here in Ohio. Uh, humidity, what, since the last week of June, we haven't had a break one day. And uh, uh, fortunately for me, I deliver apartment buildings and my truck's air conditioned. Otherwise, I wouldn't get through it at my age anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, I look at the the temperature sometime on my phone at night. I think I can get away with turning the air off, and it doesn't take long to crank it right back up because the humidity's sneaking in on us. Uh, our, our air goes on in April and doesn't go off till November. <laughs> so, uh, Jamie, I guess I don't know if you're ready to get talking some more Georgia here in April. We're coming out of an Omni show on April the 12th. We're going to pick back up here in the month of April from there. Yeah, I'm ready to go. All right, guys, so we'll fast forward to the next night, April 13th, Augusta, Georgia, Bell Auditorium. Roberto Soto going to a draw with the French Angel. It's Robert Gibson over Bobby Eaton. Look at that there, Robert Gibson and Bobby Eaton, future rock and rolls versus midnights right here in the making, 1981. Yeah, uh, I bet they never thought they were going to cross paths in the manner that they did. Certainly not in the manner that they did, that's for sure. I'd never <laughs> think that <laughs> moving forward, no matter who I was or, or where I was destined to, to go. My God, the, and, imagine how many times those two stepped in the ring beyond this time. And they would be headlining cards, not just <laughs> on them. They, they would be the main event. And for very good reason. Oh, absolutely. So show goes on here in Augusta. It's national heavyweight champion Steve O over the former champ Mongolian Stomper on a DQ. Mr. Wrestling 2 defeating Don Carson. There it is. And TNT reunite Jamie, Tommy Rich, and Tony Atlas defeating the fabulous Freebirds to end the night here in Augusta. Fun show at the Bell Auditorium. Yeah, Rich and Atlas back together as a team and uh, won't be the last time this month that we see them in action. Definitely not. As we roll on to April the 15th, Columbus, Georgia at the Memorial Auditorium. On the card, the French Angel going to battle Steve Kern to a time limit draw. I wrote, the writing is on the wall for Kern here from Georgia heavyweight champion all the way down to the opening match draw. 
with the French. Yeah, well, he's been he's been here ten months, so it's <laughs> it's time for time. Steve to. Uh, he served his time. He started at the very top, and he's going out. Yeah, and Steve's one of those guys that they really protect all the way out the door here. You don't see him doing jobs on TV week to week. No, and you know if this, if this is the worst that's going to happen at a Columbus, Georgia, uh, drawn with um, Frank Morrell, that's a good thing. Yeah, you did good. That's what I was going to say. Also here in Columbus, it's Bobby Eaton over Mike Davis. The Mongolian Stomper still scoring wins, picking one up here over Charlie Cook. And in the main event, oh no, wait, double main event, Jerry Oates defeating Don Carson in a loser-leaves-town match. And I did a little digging, Jamie, and that's not just a Fred Ward side of town thing. No, no, that's all of Georgia Championship Wrestling. Don Carson finishing up here in the territory. I bet if you ask anybody who was the man that defeated Don Carson in the loser-leaves-town match, Nobody was going to guess Jerry Oates. Uh, definitely not. I mean, I would have thought Dusty Rhodes, but it does make sense. Columbus, Georgia, the Oates hometown. Is that, is that like a fact? As, as long as professional wrestling believes it, that's all that matters. Yeah, you got a point there. So it the, is the Jerry real world Oates. doesn't matter. That, well, there you go. When we're in the wrestling bubble, you got that right. Uh, so Jerry Oates over Don Carson. Loser leaves town. It's the last night Don Carson here. In Georgia Championship Wrestling. It was a fun run. I'm glad we got to listen to a lot of those Don Carson promos. Yeah, I don't think uh, Carson pops up again until uh, in uh, Southwest. I guess he probably takes a summer off here. Yeah, that could be. I, you know, I didn't do a lot of digging into everything he does after this. I know he does, like you said, pop up down there in San Antonio. Of course, I'm sure I wouldn't be shocked if he you know, did, did a little bit for Southeast after this, though I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. But I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and because... Him and Stomper in Southwest, I think, when they first pop up on USA Network around October, I believe. Yeah, so another cable station, Don Carson, overtake. Oh, actually, that's, that's October 82, not 81. I'm sorry. Well, it's, but, a while, it's a ways away, but he's been here before. He's done TBS. He knows all about the uh, super stations. If we're watching Southwest Wrestling in a year from now, maybe he's on there saying, I made TBS. I'm going to make the USA Network. Oh, that would be a tremendous promo. I hope that's what he did. I really do now, now that you mentioned that, Jamie. <laughs> and we're going to close out the Columbus right, card. Next project, Ray, you and I, Southwest Championship Southwest Wrestling. Southwest Championship Wrestling. Wow, that's going to be a doozy. I'm going to have to dig into, really dig into my uh, my videos and, and everything else to really get that going. But that would be fun. Definitely be a very interesting be, time. That would be a real deep dive. For sure. But uh, we're going to close out this episode or this this show here in Georgia, Columbus, Georgia, I should say. You threw me off, Jamie. It's Tommy Rich again teaming with Tony Atlas, defeating the fabulous Freebirds once more. It's Gordian Roberts doing the disqualification win here for Team TNT as we head off to April 18th in Atlanta, Georgia at WTBS Studios. And uh, this episode going to be, well, it's actually going to be a tale of two halves here this week on Regional Wrestling. We're promo heavy on this episode of Georgia Championship Wrestling. I was able to watch two versions of this episode, April 18th, recorded from two different people. So I spliced together plenty of sound bites to help us tell the tale. Now, that said, when we get to April 25th TV, not a whole lot out there in regards to promos. So we'll be relying more on people like the great Walt Walansky, the historian that he was, still is, at the time preserving wrestling history by doing excellent recaps and write-ups of these TBS programs. And it's with his reviews, along with a few others, that we can dissect some of the missing TV based on their results. So lots of audio here for the 18th, lots of details written about the 25th. So today on Regional Wrestling, we're going to get the best of both worlds coming up, Jamie. If it's coming from Walt Polanski, 
you know it's good stuff. Yeah, highly detailed are his write-ups. Really good job by Walt. Well, that'll be proven when we get down there to the 25th, but right now we're going to look at the 18th of April, just a week after the Omni card. We're going to see Robert Gibson back in action here on TV over Mike Jackson, and then we're off straight away to a VTR promo of Ted DiBiase, who's once again at home and rehabbing his injuries. It was only a short time that I sat in that hospital bed and wondered and pondered on whether I would ever wrestle again. But sitting in that hospital bed and being confined like that, I realized I knew that I would be back, that I would wrestle again. And sitting here in my own home for the past few weeks, I've had a lot of time, a lot of time to think, a lot of time to reflect on what happened to me and to reflect on those people responsible for what happened to me. You know, and even though I had my friends come by to see me, to cheer me up, I was somewhat despondent. I didn't seem to really get enthused because I had that frustrating thought inside of me of how long would it be? I knew I'd be back, but I didn't know when. Well, as you can see right now, I'm not wearing the neck brace. The neck brace is here. I'm still required to wear it. My doctors have told me to take it off from time to time and, and to work my neck. I'm not on any kind of pain medication any longer. I'm on muscle relaxers, things to help relax the muscles and relieve the tension in my neck. But the main thought in my mind now is when will I be back? And not until today. Just today I found out that now it's only going to be a matter of weeks before I am back. And in reflecting on what's happened to me, it's given me an opportunity to reflect on my past, where I've been and where I'm going, and what my goals are. And there's a thing building up inside of me right now that I can't really explain and I can't really put into words. But Ted DiBiase has never been a quitter. I've never quit at anything I've ever done, and I never will. And ladies and gentlemen, I will be back in that ring. And when I come back, I will have it together because I feel like right now in my mind, I'm getting it all together. And I don't know whether to hate the people responsible for this injury or to thank them because they've given me a lot of time, a lot of time to do a lot of soul searching and to reach deep inside of myself and to find out just what, I, what I'm made of. And ladies and gentlemen, when I do come back, when I do climb in that ring again, everybody that's, is gonna know that Ted DiBiase has got it all together and he's ready to show the whole world. So there it was, DiBiase spent some time confined to a hospital bed, pondering if he'd ever be able to wrestle again. But he's had his time at home now to reflect and think about what happened to him. Though admittedly, even with friends and family support, Ted's been a little despondent. But just today, Jamie, Teddy has learned that it's not a matter of if he will return to the ring, but when. DiBiase says he's only a matter of weeks away from getting back in the ring. He's no longer on the pain medication, just muscle relaxers to relieve the tension in the neck. Sure, that's why, Ted. 
Ted says he's never been a quitter, so he will be back. So now he has to evaluate his goals. DiBiase doesn't know whether to hate or thank the fabulous Freebirds for putting him out because they've given him a lot of time to figure out what he's made of as a man. And Ted now has it all together and will show the world what he's made of when he returns. I don't know about you, Jamie, but sounds like a comeback promo for a world title run if I ever heard one. And that was the original plan as we uh, recapped in some previous episodes until a big guy got a word of it and snuffed that right out. (laughs) You could tell right here, this is definitely cowboy influence. Ted DiBiase in the, the hospital ones, he could barely talk. On last week's show, his voice was a little stronger. And now he's even feeling better and projecting that he's even stronger. And the neck braces off. Now, he says he still wears it at times, but he's told to take it off and kind of move that head around, get back in the gym and maybe get things going here. Yeah, he's got to get loosened up and you know, hopefully he'll be back sooner than later. So Ted DiBiase, a potential world title challenger. But speaking of world title contenders, up next, the number one contender to Harley Race's NWA title, Ric Flair, going to score a win over Frankie Sherman. And then we're off to our very first promo this week from the Nature Boy. Gordon, you've known me a long time. That I had one thing left in life. One fulfillment left in wrestling. The NWA Heavyweight Championship. The most coveted trophy in our sport. Now Atlanta has never seen the world title change hands. Right here. I'm going to make Atlanta my town. They're my kind of people. My kind of ladies. And brother, right here. In the Omni, the 26th. Right here in Harley Race's backyard. The Nature Boy is going to fulfill one thing left for me. The World Championship in the Omni. Harley Race, you're done, brother. Face it. Your time is up. The Nature Boy is taking the big gold in the Omni. Woo! The 26. And Ric Flair has one thing left to secure in his life, and that's the NWA World Heavyweight title. And he's going to do it right here in Atlanta at the Omni. Harley, your time is up on the 26th. Woo! You gotta love a, a face Ric Flair interview. It even has that little bit of heel persona oh, in yeah. it. There's more but, to come. But yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's got the fans behind him here. And, Except for uh, that one fan. Do you hear that one fan? We want Harley, no Flair! <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy must be a devoted Harley race fan. <laughs> And uh, the show rolls on. It's Charlie Cook scoring a win here over the Mongolian Stomper on a disqualification. Now, Stomper, managerless now. Remember Don Carson gone from the territory, and he gets disqualified here as uh, Cook trying a monkey flip out of the corner, gets dumped intentionally over the top rope out to the floor by the Stomper, allowing Cook to pick up that DQ win. And then post-match, Stomper pounding away on Cook on the outside of the ring until he can be pulled off. So Stomper's still in the territory for the time being for a few more weeks, and making his presence known here still on TV. He hasn't given up just yet. I'd like to see this match and find out whether they acknowledge Carson lose. And I would imagine they don't, and that they'd probably just say something about Don Carson is conspicuous by his absence today. Well, ask and ye shall receive. Now, I didn't listen to the commentary that closely to, I guess I wasn't looking for that, but I do have the match. So I'll make sure to up that to YouTube here sometime this week so you can check it out, Jamie. Oh, beautiful. Also on the show here this week, Bobby Eaton back to his winning ways, picking up a win here over Mike Davis on WTBS. Before we're off to one of your favorites, it's a Michael Hayes promo. 
$5,000 fine apiece. People are talking about Ted DiBiase and a concussion in the hospital. People are talking about junkyard dog walking around looking like a pirate with a patch over his eye. What people are talking about is us. That is Fantasia. Let me tell you something. Tommy Rich, you're the one that I haven't got to yet, and you are on my mind. But tomorrow night in Columbus, Ohio, on Easter Sunday, you and your so-called partner T&T, Mr. Tony Atlas, well, you're going to have to experience some of Fantasia. And I don't want anybody to forget that on the 26th, we are returning to the Omni. And Junkyard Dog, if that's the only place we can get you, then that's where we will get you. Because we are not through with any of you. And the birds apparently find $5,000 apiece for the recent actions against DiBiase and Dog. Well, if you ask me, sounds pretty cheap, honestly, after trying to murder and maim people. But now it's on to Tommy Rich, and the birds have Tommy and his old partner talking about Tony Atlas tomorrow night in Columbus, Ohio. And then it's on to the 26th in the Omni in Atlanta. Junkyard Dog one more time taking on the Freebirds. And the birds likely hoping to put the dog down for good this time, Jamie. At this time, Jay Whitney's partner for that matchup in the Omni? Unknown. But we'll rectify that right here next week on TV. Shh, Jamie, no spoilers. You know, that's strong words. Putting the dog down. Putting the dog down. I did that on purpose, by the way. (laughs) And that's what Michael Hayes intends to do. A quick question for you, since you're going to be reviewing the other match. Was that interview a BTR? Because there's no sound of the audience giving him hell or anything. No, yeah, good call. There was no background noise, no fans uh, there for that Michael Hayes promo. But there's probably very good reason for that. I'm sure he wasn't at this show, and uh, I'll tell you why, actually, Jamie, when we get there. Okay. But for right now, we're going to continue on with TBS TV. It's Wildfire Tommy Rich defeating Chuck Levin before we hear from the Wildfire. It'll be Apache Bill Ramos against Tommy. Take on the Junkyard Dog. Partner. The Stomper faces Dusty Rhodes. Uh, it will be Jim Duggan and the Angel against Tony Atlas and Steve Kern in a tag team match. There will be two other matches. Tickets are currently on sale at the Omni in all seats locations in the sports arena. Open this coming week, 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday. And Tommy, Apache Bull Ramos, $10,000 bounty. You know, I, I come in back to Georgia. And it wasn't my plans to get in the middle of everything. You know, Michael Hayes, he's out here. And when we got them two guys together, them three guys, you might as well say it's three of them. Hayes ain't got the guts. He ain't got the guts to get in the ring with me. If he did, he wouldn't be paying Bull Ramos. I've seen the guy. He weighs over 300 pounds. He's an Apache. He's bad. I ain't taking nothing away from him. But you know, I'm going to be in Columbus, Ohio, Huntington, West Virginia. But the Omni, Bull Ramos, I'm coming after him with all I got. Michael Hayes has apparently found himself another man looking to collect on that $10,000 bounty that he's placed on the head of Tommy Rich, and it's going to be the 300-plus pound longtime veteran, the Apache Bull Ramos. Ramos coming after Rich at the Omni. And I always loved, I don't know about you, Jamie, but I always loved the one-off deals where credible names would come in and try to take someone out. And Ramos makes a perfect opponent here because he's well past his prime. He's not going to excel long-term. But for a short-term run, a fun challenge for the wildfire. Yeah, like you, I always enjoyed that. And I got spoiled when I first started watching Georgia wrestling, trying to figure out why doesn't the WWF ever do this kind of stuff? The closest you got was 
there was guest appearances at Madison Square Garden, but they still never brought an outsider in for that one shot to try to take somebody out. So I always in, enjoyed when uh, I got to see these names pop up. Yeah, because some of these guys, you know, obviously, especially back then, you may have never got to see some of this talent, but you read about them in the magazines, and holy cow, out of nowhere, they're coming to town. And it's pretty cool to see Bull Ramos coming into town here randomly out of the blue to collect on that bounty on Wildfire Tommy Rich. Yeah, hey, nice easy payday for Bull Ramos. As the show continues on, looks like the Oats boys are here this week. It's Ted and Jerry Oates picking up a tag team win over Big Jim Duggan and Bobby Garrett. Going to assume Garrett did the job there. Also on the card, Robert Gibson once again in the ring, this time defeating Denny Alberts. And uh, we've been talking about it for a few weeks here now on Regional Wrestling, and it's been going on for months now up there in Columbus, Ohio. I'm talking about the battles between the Minnesota Wrecking Crew versus Dusty Rhodes and typically his partner there, Andre the Giant. But it looks like the Giant is moving on from this feud, and the Dream has found himself a new partner in the feud that seems to never die. Take it away, Dream. Cowboy Bill Watts and Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream against the Anderson Brothers. Nobody walked taller than Bill Watts. Nobody get better than Bill Watts. Nobody can use a tube of foam when it gets down to it like Bill Watts. If I had my choice to go in the street, shoulder to shoulder, and eyeball to eyeball, belly to belly and back to back, Bill Watts would get the call. Anderson Brothers, this thing with us ain't gonna ever be over. Put the soul man itself, Mr. Blue Eyes, so dusty rose, get back and dream. I'm the one, baby. In 81, you understand? Columbus, Ohio. Beautiful town, baby. Excitement. Pandemonium. But most of all, Bill Watson, Dusty Rhodes. Walking Tall Series. Part one. There it is. Dusty Rhodes announcing he's bringing in the cowboy, Bill Watts, in his ongoing and never-ending feud with Ole and Gene Anderson, we saw this one at the end of last summer, Jamie, when it was Watts and Uvalde Slim, Dusty Rhodes under a hood, sending Gene K-fay, Anderson. Kai Fai, man. brother. Uh, but uh, it was Dusty Rhodes, well, sorry, Uvalde Slim and Bill Watts sending Gene Anderson packing for several months from the Georgia Territory. And now it's the American Dream teaming with the Cowboy in Columbus. It's the Walkin' Tall series, part one, says Dusty Rhodes. I got to ask you, Jamie, does that mean we can already expect a part two? That's what it indicates. <laughs> Dustin, I'll tell you what, if, if I'm Andre the Giant, I'm going to be, and I happen to see this interview, I'm going to be a little ticked. He'd, he'd rather walk in an alley fight with, with Bill Watts than him. I'd rather have a drunk Andre the Giant have my back. Who had the meaner streak, though? Like, Bill Watts or Andre? I get what you're saying. Andre definitely probably the tougher man overall. But but is he going to rip somebody's eyeball out and step on it, you think? Oh, absolutely. If it's a, if it's one of the Andersons. <laughs> Works for me. Yeah, I, I thought that was for, weird. For sure all of this time. feuding, all of this feuding with Dusty Rhodes oh, and Andre right. the Giant. <laughs> Isn't this Killer Con time? Uh, well, it is. Well, no, actually, it's uh, it's unfortunate time is what it's going to be here for Andre. Uh, ironically, in just another w- uh, week or two. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll get to that pretty soon. Andre's going to suffer that broken ankle or foot or whatever it was. I don't remember off the top of my head, but uh, the story goes, you know, it was Killer Con that gave it to him that made great for a wrestling storyline, but. In real life, I guess it was Andre getting out of bed, perhaps drunk. I don't know. But he uh, he suffered that fractured, I think it was in his ankle, Jamie. And uh, that put I him think, out for quite a while. Yeah, I think you're right. He's out until at least August or September before um, he returns. 
Yeah, they give Killer Khan credit for it, but it was actually just Andre getting out of bed the wrong way. You know, I don't think Andre ever got drunk. It took a lot of beer to get Andre drunk. A lot more than beer, for sure. <laughs> a few horse tranquilizers, maybe. <laughs> well, I, you know, but the first thing when I, as weird as it sounds, when I think of Andre, I think that picture in Sports Illustrated with the, uh, what was it, a Molson in his hand? Was it a Molson? I don't remember, but I know the picture you're talking about. Yeah, and he was basically almost, he could almost cover the beer can in oh, his yeah, hand. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just uh, like, like doing shots of beer with Andre. <laughs> oh my god but yeah andre out and the cowboy bill watson andre probably doing something else somewhere else at this point in time maybe a japan tour i'm not sure i didn't really uh, look that up before we got going i guess i was just too excited that but, bill watts was coming to town well if that's the case who better than the, the cowboy to have in your corner i'll, I'll go along with that <laughs> especially a cowboy that has a pencil in your corner that's right. Look at all the bookers in that matchup. Dusty Rhodes, Bill Watts, Ole Anderson. And who knows, maybe Gene booked a little bit in his day, too. It's likely, but it's just you got all these guys in there. Surely they came up with some good angles for, for each other and uh, finishes and things in these matchups. We'll have to wait and see how they play out. Yeah. As the show rolls on, up next, returning to the area, it's Black Jack Mulligan scoring a win over Rick Link. Yes, guys, that Rick Link, social media fame and the Man Mountain Link. Uh, jumping back elbow and a claw hold. Blackjack using the claw here. No red X on the screen, by the way, WWF style. Uh, Blackjack going to pick up the win over Rick Link. And Rick Link, in some useless knowledge, was a subscriber to my old newsletter back in the day. Very awesome. Love that. Sir Rick Link. <laughs> Sir Rickton Link, yes, indeed. And he, would, and he was another guy like Marshall Beauvais that sent me oh an interview. That he, that he sent me an interview of me interviewing him. Marshall Beauvais, Dale Pierce, man. He was uh, an Akron mainstay uh, in, in, in his early years and his later years as well. And uh, he was quite the character. Unfortunately, he's passed away in recent years. But, uh, man, I wish I had been able to pick his brain. But I stopped attending any events right around the time he came back to town up here. So I never really got to talk to him much. Yeah, he tried to totally kayfabe me. I was going to ask you. Both him and Dale Pierce subscribed to my newsletter. Wow. Okay, double subscription. Very cool. He would send me interviews that were either have my name asking him the question so I could just go ahead and, you know, put it in the newsletter. Right. I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> or it was Dale Pierce interviewing him. And the, the one time that I answered back, I forget exactly what I said. He ended up sending me a scathing letter saying that if he ever finds his way up to Philadelphia, he's going to kick my ass. Wow. Yeah, he was quite an interesting character. I don't know. I don't know that. Well, I'll just keep my opinion to myself. I don't like I said, I don't really know him that well, but seemed harmless. I, enough. Only, I only knew him through letters and I, I actually got a kick out of it later on when I found out it was the same person. Yeah, he was kayfabe centric for sure. But uh, Blackjack Mulligan here in Georgia, Jamie, and uh, he's not going to be alone. We'll see that on the next episode of TV. But for right now, he picks up this win over the big Rick Link. And then we're off to Gordon Soley standing by with Blackjack Mulligan. 6.30 until 8 o'clock. I want to take a moment, if I may, to talk to this gentleman because uh, if anybody certainly typifies the thing that you will read about in your school books, about uh, in the history books, about the legendary great Western uh, heroes, this man has done it in the wrestling world. You know what I'm Gordon? I don't get to come to town too often. I've been in town one night, lost my pickup truck, 
a green 49 Chevy pickup truck. Somewhere around here, some bald-headed man has left with Sarah Joe Puckett. She's about that tall. She's about that wide. Red-headed, freckle-faced. She don't mean nothing to anybody but me. And I've been in town about one day. Lost my truck. Lost my woman. I've never seen so many big buildings in my life. But BJ is coming back to town. Understand what I'm saying? I'm going to be back here. Doesn't make any difference. You want to wrestle? You name it. Line them up. Because BJ will do his thing. I'm going to tell you right now, all this scum around here are going to be like rats deserting a sinking ship. I can tell you that for sure. Okay. You can go to the bank with that, Gordon. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. All right. But I'm going to tell you something. Do not forget it. Mulligan, you haven't seen a lot of in a long time because I've been very, very busy. I'll guarantee you that. But forget one thing, I'll be back. Okay. I'll tell you what, when he tells you. Poor Blackjack Mulligan, been back in town for one night, and he done lost his 49 Chevy pickup truck and his woman, Miss Sarah Joe Puckett. Clearly, Blackjack is back, and he's here to run off all the rats out of Georgia Championship Wrestling, and that's rats, as in the heel wrestlers, not the ladies waiting at the motels, guys. Uh, love the reference here to Sarah Joe Puckett. I had to pop for it, Jamie, because I'm not sure if this name was taken from a real person or he just really liked to use it because by the time Blackjack returned to the WWF at the end of 86, beginning of 87, he had an entire ensemble of made-up characters he would talk about. But the one that stuck out all the time was Sarah Joe Puckett all the way into 1987. And it felt like we were just weeks away from finally seeing someone portray that character as outlaw Ron Bass kept calling Sarah Joe and Mulligan out on TV. But Blackjack quit right after WrestleMania three time and, we were left to just imagine what Sarah Joe looked like for ourselves. Yeah, I'm going to guess Sarah Joe probably looked like that clown the Rock brought out for Mick Foley that time. Oh no, uh, it's for Vince McMahon. Yurple, Yurple the clown. There we go. Yeah, brought brought her out for Vince McMahon to make her feel better in Oslo. Wow, that's make way him out feel territory. better. That's way out of the territory <laughs> era. Holy cow! My goodness. <laughs> yeah. But this, now for me, I remember seeing this on my friend's television set when I went over to watch a show that night and it jumped out to me that I had never seen Blackjack Mulligan before as a good guy. And in 81, I wasn't as well versed on the history of pro wrestling as I would eventually become. Right. And I had never known he was a good guy back in mid Atlantic. So this was really strange to see this. Oh, I can, o I can only imagine because when you picture Blackjack outside of those late era runs uh, as a baby face, Kind of, I wouldn't call him comedy runs, but certainly well past his prime and doing whatever he could to get by on. Outside of those late runs in Florida and the WWF and things of that nature, his face runs really weren't nationwide. So you're right. It's if you weren't in the Crockett area or whatever, whenever he was running or doing the babyface stuff, you just never saw it. Yeah. So this was really strange for me. I could, I, yeah, but I can only, but, only imagine. but things are to come. Not to give any spoilers out, Paul Heyman, but things are to come, and it kind of all makes sense. As we move along. That is correct, sir. Uh, more action as we go on here with this edition of Georgia TV. It's Nature Boy Ric Flair again in the ring, this time defeating the Executioner. And then we're off to another Ric Flair promo. 
Sunday night, the 26th at the Omni in Atlanta, as Ric Flair goes after the world heavyweight champion Harley Race. The one goal in life that Ric Flair says is left for him. Gordon, the match has been made. In other words, Race knew I was here. Race knew I put the challenge there. And Race, because he is a man, and let's face it, he's been a great champion. He had to accept to be the man. In other words, Gordon Sully, for Race to be the man, he's got to beat the man. To be the NWA champion, he's got to beat Ric Flair. Now the world title has never changed hands here in Atlanta. We're going to make wrestling history at the Omni, the 26th, because the nature boy, custom made from head to toe, looking at the only he can look. He's going to walk into the Omni, brother, and Harley Race knows just like everybody in the wrestling world knows, his time is up. The Omni, the 26th, woo, here comes the Nature Boy. And Jamie, last time out here, when we were heading into the April 12th Omni card, we both jumped the gun. We both presumed that the Flair Race World title match was taking place on that show, but I guess they just brought Ric Flair into the town a little earlier to establish a more leading into this Omni card, which I assure you guys is where the title change, or excuse, not a title change at all, but a world title match will take place next Sunday night. It is Ric Flair versus Harley Race for the NWA title. And you got to love Flair here. You were talking about the baby face. Ric Flair still getting in some heel lines. He says to be the man, you got to beat the man. And somehow, even though Race is the champion here, Flair seemingly is still the man. Uh, got to love that confidence. Essentially, in order to prove you're actually the world champion, Harley Race, even though you already are, you still got to beat the nature boy to prove yourself. Woo! And that is what Flair wants to do. This is great, seeing a semi-babyface Ric Flair, because that's something else. I Up to this point, I'd read about it in the magazines, you know, his exploits with Buddy Rogers and stuff, but I had never seen a face Ric Flair. So this was a real treat for me, and I wish down the line he would have embraced being a face nationwide. He re- that's another story another time, but he really missed an opportunity where he probably maybe not rivaled Hulk Hogan, but maybe uh, was in the same stratosphere if he had just st- wanted to be a face and Dusty didn't interfere. Well, that's yeah. There's a lot of ifs there. Like you said, it's uh, another story for another time. But I will I'll share my opinion as well on the whole thing. I love Flair's babyface promos here. They're very energetic, and I see what you're talking about as far as he could have really excelled in that department. And there was nothing wrong with his face work in the ring either. Uh, my only issue is I think it depended on his opponent that, that would have really drew me in. As a heel, he could pretty much sucker you in any match, whether it was uh, Dusty Rhodes, Sting, Ricky Steamboat, or Ronnie Garvin, for that matter. I always enjoyed anything. Flair really made it come alive. Uh, as a babyface, they really needed a good heel to draw me into a Flair match. That was me anyway. Oh, I can understand that uh, line of thinking. But yeah, Nature Boy headed to the Omni. We're going to hear him again, I I believe, one more time on next week's episode of TV before we get to that Omni card against Harley Race. And we also heard from the American Dream earlier in the program. Now we're going to hear from his partner for the upcoming matchup in Columbus, Ohio, the big showdown. It's Cowboy Bill Watts. Rhodes has done the one thing logically bring back to the fore, uh, the man named Cowboy Bill Watts, the man who does walk tall. And when he tells you something, you better doggone sure believe it. And Cowboy Bill Watts has some videotape comments right now that I think all of us uh, should really pay attention to. They bear watching and listening. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the man who became a legend in his own time in the world of professional wrestling, the Oklahoma Stampeder Cowboy Bill Watts. Columbus, Ohio. I'm on my way. A lot of history. Al Haft, Frankie Tolliver, Carl Gotch, Dr. Bill Miller, and Ohio State University with a great football team. But you know one thing about it, Reeser. When you're a specialist, you only come when you call for. And so I don't have to come too often because a lot of times have changed. Ole and Gene Anderson, they run over everybody, cripple them and hurt them. Well, they picked on the son of a plumber, the little bully from Austin, my friend, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, and he called me. And just like the specialists that they all remember from Oklahoma that kicked that great place kick when the University of Oklahoma played Ohio State, the big cowboy's coming. And when I walk in, I walk tall, just like Buford Pusser, that old Tennessee sheriff. I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to whip them. I'm going to feed them this two-by-four where they can eat sawdust, and you know what they'll be doing. Dusty Rhodes, American Dream, and Cowboy Bill Watts, Columbus, Ohio. Well, of course, Ole and Gene Anderson, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, are a force to be dealt with. There's certainly no question about that. There it was, a VTR recorded in Mid-South Wrestling. Reeser bowed in talking with the Cowboy Bill Watts. Cowboy coming to Columbus, Ohio to team with Dusty Rhodes and take on those dastardly Andersons. Watts talks wrestling history, how big the Columbus area was in the early stages of the NWA professional wrestling with Al Haft, Frankie Taliber, Dr. Bill Miller, Carl Gotch, and hey, there's always Ohio State football. Got to get a good college in there, a eh, Cowboy? Watts says Dusty made a call to the specialist, who the Cowboy says as a specialist, you only come when you're called upon, and he doesn't have to come too often. The Andersons made the mistake of picking on that son of a plumber, and Dusty, in turn, came to the Cowboy for some backup. The specialist that he is. And you know Watts couldn't wait to get this one in. As he holds up a giant 2x4, his big board, Jamie, as just like Buford Pusser and the old Tennessee Sheriff, the Cowboy and the Dream are going to be walking tall in Columbus. Man, Bill Watts used that walking tall stuff all the way to the end. He clearly loved that movie and that story. Well, look what he did with uh, Jim Duggan. He turned him into his own version. Yeah, and after and after Duggan left, Watts did some more of it on his own. He he was Buford Pusser yet again. Yeah, but you know what? Here's what wrestling is missing today. Watts only talked for 52 seconds. If that happened today, I'd be going for the credit card and buying tickets to go see that show. Oh, <laughs> all because took, of what took he, the words right off. He, 52 seconds. That's all he needed to get the point across. And had you believe in him? You know, I sat there and I took notes during the promo and I wasn't really paying attention to how long it went when I was doing that. But as I just played that here for us, I was looking at the timestamp and I go, holy shit, this is a one minute promo. And that's with Reeser Bowden involved. Like you said, 52 seconds and I'm sold. I mean, just that first sentence, Bill Watts just made you believe. And he's the specialist. So you're not going to see Bill Watts all the time. You're only going to see Bill Watts when there's a job to be done. And thus Dusty reached out to him. We've now heard from both Dusty Rhodes and the Cowboy, Jamie. So it's only fair we hear from the other side of the coin as well. It's a VTR from the Mid-Atlantic region. Rich Landrum standing by with the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Gene Anderson. Columbus, Ohio wrestling fans, Easter Sunday is going to be an exciting match when Dusty Rhodes teams up with Bill Watts to take on the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Gene and Ole Anderson. Gene Anderson. Dusty, we've beaten all your partners before. And what do you do? You get the man with the big club. 
the two by four. He can't do anything with the Anderson brothers, and we're going to show you and Bill Watts right here in Columbus what you're going to do. Holy? You know, it's amazing to me. Rhodes, you ought to be tired by now. You've gone through partners just left and right. You had this guy, you had that guy, and their last partner was Andre. Andre the Giant! And still the Anderson brothers came out on top. We left you and we left Andre bleeding in that ring. Now you've got to get the guy, Mr. Law and Order, the big Texan, walking tall. Come on down, Bill Watts. Come on down. I can't wait to see you. Bring that club! Because I'm going to put it where the sun don't shine in Columbus, Ohio. Wow. Big holiday card. I hadn't even realized that it took place on Easter Sunday in 1981, April the 19th. Wow, what a card. Dusty Rhodes and Bill Watts taking on the Andersons. Ole and Gene, they've beaten all of Dusty's partners, including Andre the Giant. So now he goes out and gets Mr. Walking Tall himself, the cowboy Bill Watts and his 2 by 4 only going to put that board where the sun doesn't shine. Boy, I'd love to see him try. Come on down to Columbus. And I wrote here, just as you just said, Jamie, after the Watts promo, God, I would have made that two-hour drive. Just two hours from my house at the time, Jamie. Now just 90 minutes from me. But had I not been two years old, I would have made that uh, drive all day long to see this one. Yeah, I mean, and here we go. Just like Bill Watts, 30 seconds of Ole Anderson. And you want to jump through the TV and choke this guy because he you because you hate him that much. Oh, I mean, I'm just sold on this matchup. I, I, I mean, Ole's not scared of of uh, Bill Watts, and he just made the cardinal sin. He called Bill Watts a Texan. Oh yeah, not from even, Oklahoma. There you go. There you go. He, he called the big Texan Bill Watts. Oh, you can't do that. Uh, unfortunately, we'll never get to, to hear a rebuttal to that. But could you have seen if that was live in the studio and Watts had a time to? To think about to that? respond? Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, the response that he would have had on that one? <laughs> oh, we can uh, fantasy book it, I guess, but it'll never be as good as whatever I mean, came out of Bill Watts' mouth, that's for sure. And as we discussed before, they were pushing Columbus, Ohio strong. Oh, it was they, like their number started, two city underneath Atlanta. Yeah, last time. October, and they were just flooding town, and th- those shows are packed every time. Yeah, I mean, it's like its own territory. I've said it before. They've got their own things going on there, man. And sometimes I'm envious if I'm living in Atlanta. Like, why are they getting that? And I'm not crapping on the stuff we got here in the Omni by any uh, means, but some of the matches up there in Columbus aren't even coming anywhere near the Omni. No, and I would guess on the uh, the localized TV shows, they probably ran some film clips from Columbus. Yeah, and I'm wondering who was in charge of booking those shows, who the promoter was specifically. Was it Jim Barnett? Was it? I don't think Paul Jones would have had a hand in that at all. Was Ole Anderson given that town? I'm curious. It would make sense the way he, uh, the Andersons were pushed so strong. Uh, they're in the main event every time with Dusty. Maybe Dusty's booking it. Well, it could be that too. But uh, yeah, it's uh, quite a quite card card after card up there in Columbus. So close to me. Too bad I was like you know not old enough to uh, enjoy it. Yeah, I wish uh, you know back in the day I, I was the hardcore fan that I was. I might have found my way there. Made that 10-hour drive from Philly to Columbus, I'm sure, huh? Yeah. Hey, I'm only, at this point, I'm only 14. So, hey, I, I might have hitchhiked back in I was going to say hitchhiking was a thing still in the early 80s, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can remember my dad picking up a hitchhiker or two. Wow. Very cool. We'll have to for, save that story. Every, for, for yeah, fortunately, shows. everything went well. So well thank God, that's why, yeah. we're that's, why, that's why I'm talking to Jamie today, guys. <laughs> but don't pick up hitchhikers anymore. 
Can't trust anybody. Stranger danger. Stay away. And that's our PSA this week on regional wrestling. Thank you, Jamie Ward. As the uh, (laughs) show goes on, it's the French Angel, Frank Burrell, teaming with Gypsy Joe. How about that for a team? Defeating Gerald Finley and Mike Ray. I was just going to skim past this, but I can't help but look at this. The French Angel and Gypsy Joe. Beautiful. Gypsy Joe deserves one more win before he hangs it up. Oh, in 30 years? (laughs) Yeah, one final win. Uh, up next on the show, it's another VTR. We heard from him earlier in the sh- in the program, but he's back again. It's Ted DiBiase, this time from the gym, with DiBiase training for a return to the ring. What about his future? Uh, laying in that hospital bed, it had to be mighty, mighty tough indeed to decide what's going to happen next. Well, certainly the grit, the determination, and the fighting heart that had to be inherited from his uh, late father uh, has made Ted DiBiase doubly determined that he will return to professional wrestling and that he will one day indeed win that World Heavyweight Championship. As part of his recuperation, Ted has been in an intensive training regimen at a gymnasium. We're going to journey to that gymnasium now and take a look at this uh, hopefully very speedy recovery of this great athlete, Ted DiBiase. You know, I knew the first time I stepped in the ring as a professional wrestler that I risked, I was taking a risk of having bodily injuries and getting hurt. Every wrestler knows that. And it's been five long weeks, five long weeks of a lot of pain that I've been trying to recover from this neck injury. And the one thing that has constantly gone through my mind, every time that pain shot up through my neck, And every time I had to cry because of the pain, and every time they had to come in and give me a shot to kill that pain, the one thing that I always remembered and that I always thought about was this was no accident. This was a deliberate attempt, a malice deliberate attempt to end my wrestling career. And wrestling is not simply a career to me. It's my way of life. It's the way of life that I've known all my life since I was old enough to go to a wrestling match. I grew up in this sport and nobody is going to take that away from me i have never been a quitter i am not a quitter i never have been and i'm not going to start now i've worked hard to get back where i am right now for the first time in a long time ted dibiase feels himself coming together he's getting it all together and the people that are responsible for this neck injury they know who they are and i hope you're listening because i'm coming back I'm coming back stronger than I've ever been. And you will remember my name. You will remember the name of Ted DiBiase because I'm ready and I'm coming. So DiBiase on the road to recovery back in the gym. He knew coming into wrestling that he would get hurt, Jamie. But Ted has to remember this injury was no accident. It was a malice, deliberate attempt to end his wrestling career. But wrestling isn't just a career. To DiBiase, it's been his entire life. And it's been five long weeks of pain, but DiBiase is no quitter. He's been working hard to get back in the ring, and the people responsible for the injury, a.k.a. the Freebirds, will remember the name of (sighs) DiBiase Dust. Sorry, couldn't resist, Jamie. Gordon's narration here also mentions DiBiase's aspiration of becoming a world champion, so that's clearly still part of the story at this part as well. Inspirational video here as we await the return of Ted DiBiase to Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, DiBiase, once again, you still see the cowboy influence here. DiBiase's voice is even stronger. 
and you can tell he's almost back to 100%. The future's looking bright for him, and it's just the point of not if he gets back, but when he returns to the ring. Yeah, and it's getting closer and closer, closer than you guys might suspect. Uh, he's back in the gym. He's working out. He's getting back in shape. And the promo ends, actually, guys, with Ted DiBiase in a workout video set to the 1980s song, Fame. I'm gonna live forever. Not my kind of TV program, Jamie, but the song, inspirational in this instance anyway. You had to be there, guys. Yeah, but the movie was pretty good. I, had, I remember saying that uh, Fame on Prism, and that was like one of my favorite songs at the time. Ah, Prism, it all ties back to wrestling. It all ties back to wrestling one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, but very cool. Ted DiBiase, we get a little video here of him working out. He's getting back into gear to get back to that ring to do some revenge against the fabulous Freebirds. As we close out the show this week, we see Roberto Soto in the ring scoring a win over Snake Brown. And then I got a pair of Wildfire Tommy Rich promos here from April 18th TV, as well as the best of Georgia Championship Wrestling there on April the 19th. As we close out this weekend show, here's a pair of quick promos from the wildfire. With the Omni, tickets are now on sale at all seats. The sports arena will be open Saturday, 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. And uh, Tommy, uh, this man, Michael Hayes, has got it out for you. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, he ain't a man. He's a sissy. A candy bar, we used to call him in school. You know, he ain't got the guts. He wants to get rid of Tommy Rich, but he's putting bounties out. I don't care if it's a Columbus, Ohio, Huntington, West Virginia, or right here in Omni. I'm ready for anything Hayes has got. Now, man, that I want to talk to, Tommy Wildfire Rich. Michael Hayes has uh, got a bounty out on you. You know, before I, before I talk about Hayes, I want to wish the best to Ted DiBiase. And as far as for Michael Hayes, the sissy, you know, Hayes, as far as I'm concerned, you're a candy bar when I was in school. I always took care of my fights. If I got in trouble, I took care of it. And just like I said, you send them all, Hayes. It don't matter if it's Columbus, Ohio, Huntington, West Virginia, or right here in Omni, because I'm ready for anything you got, you big sissy. And after I get through with them, Hayes, I'm coming for you. Right at the Omni, Columbus. Michael Hayes, the sissy is a candy bar, apparently, Jamie. And uh, as they called those types as a kid in school, says Tommy Rich, I've personally never heard that expression. Wildfire, though, he's going to have obstacles like Gordy, Roberts, Bull, Ramos, but he'll fight them all to eventually get to Michael Hayes. And I wrote a candy bar, and I Googled candy bar for slang meanings, Jamie, both of which are sexually related, and I can't, or at least I, I won't repeat them here. But I just can't see Rich meaning either one of those things. So are you familiar with the term candy bar? I've never heard the term, but the only thing that come to my mind here, he must have been a Mounds bar. Because <laughs> Almond Joy had the nuts. And Mounds don't. I get it. Gotcha. All right. We'll, we'll throw that's, that in there. That's on the, the show. only thing that, that's the only thing that can come to my mind here. I've never heard that expression. I'm not familiar with it either. I thought it was a Southern thing, but I just couldn't find it anywhere. And again, the, uh, the definitions that I came across, I, I'm, I'm thinking that wasn't what they were in 1981 or prior. As the show rolls on here, guys, April the 18th, Carrollton, Georgia at the fairgrounds. Later that day, after the taping down in Atlanta and TBS studios, it's the mighty Yankee here in Carrollton over Mike Davis. Snake Brown scoring a win, defeating Ken Tips. Yes. Bear Go Snake Brown. Bobby Garrett over Mike Jackson. So even Garrett getting a win this week. That would be a little bit of fun. Garrett and Mike Jackson. Two of my favorite under guys. Ted and Jerry Oates wouldn't be a Carrollton show without them over the team. This is a return match over Jim Duggan and Bobby Eaton. So it was a light card this week, but the Oates brothers versus Duggan and Eaton, that rematch probably did okay here for Carrollton. Yeah, Duggan, Duggan's coming into his own, and Eaton was already shown glimpses of things to come, 
with the veterans, the Oates brothers, I bet that was a pretty good match. Yeah, and it's a, like a continuing situation here, too, in Carrollton and Columbus. We've seen the Oates take on Duggan and Eaton in singles matches and tag team matches, so there's something there anyway. There's a little continuity involved as we move on. Also on the 18th of April in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the A-team, if you will, here at the Memorial Auditorium. I'm going to see Steve Kern and Roberto Soto over the French Angel and Gypsy Joe. It's Robert Gibson defeating Denny Albert, Charlie Cook over Gerald Finley, Wildfire Tommy Rich defeating the Mongolian Stomper. Kind of a short card here tonight in Chattanooga. Another very light show here on the 18th for both teams here in Chattanooga and Carrollton. Seemed off, so I did a little digging. You were asking about Michael Hayes in that promo earlier, Jamie. Where were the Freebirds this weekend? Well, apparently they were in New Orleans at the Superdome. Now it all makes sense as part of the Mid-South Tag Team Title Tournament, losing the semifinal bout to Dick Murdoch and who else but the Junkyard Dog. So JYD and the Fabulous Freebirds were in the Superdome here on this weekend. It makes sense. Watts brings them back home to pop a gate. There you go. See, guys, no stone I mean, them, Especially with them working on TBS. And he, he not like Watts ever doesn't acknowledge TBS. He does right. all the time. Sure. All the way up, you know, to the end. So here is Arch Enemies, the Freebirds, bring them back into town. See, no stone unturned here, Jamie. We try to uncover everything we can. I noticed it was light on the cards, and I say, hey, where are the Freebirds? I had to go do my digging. Didn't take long to figure it out. They were at the uh, Superdome. Can't blame them for those paydays. No, 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 no. I'm sure they <laughs> got a nice penny at that one. As uh, we roll on to Columbus, Ohio, April the 19th, Easter Sunday at the Ohio Center. Greg Valentine back here again for the second time in a row in Columbus, scoring a win over Robert Gibson. Also, Mr. Wrestling 2 over the Mongolian Stomper. It's TNT, Tommy Rich and Tony Atlas over the Freebirds on a disqualification. So they move from New Orleans all the way up to Columbus overnight. The Freebirds all over the place here on the big cards. And in the main event, you guys were wondering who won here. We'll talk a little bit more about it next time out on Regional Wrestling. But for now, it is Ole and Gene Anderson defeating the team of Dusty Rhodes and Cowboy Bill Watts. I wrote, man, having Dusty as a partner is just bad luck for everyone. That's why everybody turns on him. <laughs> he can't carry his weight. He's like the Hulk Hogan of the South. Everybody turns on him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were just talking about, after you said it, I'm thinking this is an Ole town. You think so? I, I yeah, believe the, I could be. I could. The, I could buy that. I mean, we, we got Valentine on it again, right? And him and Gene just always seem to go over here. And it's a solid card from top to bottom. I mean, Val, I know Gibson's young, but if Valentine and Gibson, you have to figure that was a pretty fun match. But it's loaded after that. Just big match after any of these matches could have main evented some of the uh, smaller towns like Wrestling Two and Stomper. But then you got a double main event here: Freebirds and Rich and Atlas, and then the Andersons, Dusty and Bill Watts. There's got to be a few matches missing on this card, too. Yeah, I'll have to you know, a little deeper. Oh, yeah, for our sure. Listings because they're, well, we only got four listed. For and sure. you got to figure they're, they're at least doing six to eight. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Columbus it, it typically didn't do eight. It was typically like a six-match uh, town, mostly because from what I've seen, a lot of those main matches go pretty long. It's a wrestling-oriented okay. type uh, show. Now, I'm not saying how many were on this card. I have no idea. I'll have to dig a little deeper. I'm curious myself, some of the other guys involved on these Columbus shows, if we can find some of these undercards. Yeah, see who, who they are, then we might be able to figure out exactly whose town it was. Yeah, see who the favorites are there. Is it Ole's, Dusty's, or whomever? Exactly. 
Funny how we can do those things as we roll on April the 20th, Huntington, West Virginia at the Memorial Fieldhouse. It's Steve Kern over Big Jim Duggan, 11 minutes, 27 seconds. That ought to be fun. Steve Kern's still picking up wins all the way out the door here, by the way. Yeah, there's a, he was a good soldier. Why bury him on the way out? I'm sure if they had a purpose for him to put some people over, he would have. But he did everything asked of him, so they, they give him a good uh, exit. Yeah, it's just you don't see this with everyone. So it shows you how good uh, of an employee Steve Kern must have been behind the scenes as well. Yeah, good good locker room guy. I mean, I've met him uh, twice now, and he was wonderful. I mean, real down-to-earth kind of guy. So I imagine, except for during the fab time, I imagine he was that way all the time. Speaking of the fab, Stan Lane's other partner here, Bobby Eaton, also on the card here in Huntington, but it's Mr. Wrestling 2 defeating Bobby Eaton. Match went reportedly 18 minutes. Could you see Bobby Eaton and Wrestling 2 for 18? It could have been fun. Bobby bumping around everywhere for Wrestling 2 there. Oh, yeah. You got probably a couple knee lifts that sent Bobby out of the ring for a couple of minutes at a time. Oh, my God. What, 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 what some fun bumps we could have seen there. But unfortunately, they all attribute to Bobby's injuries, nagging injuries, Later in his career, all the crazy bumps he took. And you know, they say that Eaton took most of his crazy bumps prior to ever even making it to here in Georgia. It was all with the Macho Man. They were both trying all their stuff out with each other early on in their career. And it was so, I guess it was some super crazy stuff that never even got on video. Oh, that's a shame. More wrestling history forgotten or lost. And can you imagine two young Macho Man and Bobby Eaton out there? Hey, let's try this. Let's do this on the concrete. You know, oh my God. Crazy to think. But uh, yeah. also here in Huntington, Robert Gibson. Look at this. Robert Gibson pins the Mongolian stomper in just four minutes and 39 seconds. So you have to wonder, is everybody starting to beat the stomper with that airplane spin? Did they steal Steve-O's gimmick here? I- I'm joking, guys. I say that in jest. But seriously, obviously, the stomper on his way out as he does the job to Robert Gibson. Yeah. Speaking of Steve-O, where is he on this house show loop? Good call. You know, I'm going to have to dig that. Now, I know around this time, and I up- uploaded a couple of the matches up there to my YouTube as well. I can't remember if it was April. It might have been prior to this, but I know Steve-O does a tour of IWE in Japan somewhere around the early part of 1981. Not sure if that was prior to this or during this time period. I'll check that out, and I'll get back to you on the next episode. Yeah, that would make sense. That would explain his absence. I mean, I think we just said he was at a house show before the TV taping, but uh, we haven't seen him in over a week now. No, good call, and I guess I just didn't notice because, well, it's Steve-O, Jamie. Mr. Personality. There you go. You know, he's my number two after Michael Hayes, so we've got to keep a close eye on Mr. Personality. Well, he's that quiet kid sitting in the corner. You wouldn't know he was there, you know, unless you saw him, and I guess I just totally forgot about him, even though (laughs) he's the national heavyweight champion. Go figure. That's right. Also here in Huntington, wow, what a fun card. TNT, Tommy Rich, Tony Atlas over the fabulous Freebirds is Atlas pinning Buddy Roberts in reportedly 40 minutes of action here. Who do you think took the heat? Tommy Rich all the way, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it was uh, non-title. There's a lot of non-title matches here against the tag team champion Freebirds, or they would have been without the belt like 40 and, times. And this is actually a very important match because I looked forward. Mm-hmm. And this is the end of Tony Atlas. There he it is. He jumps to the WWF after this. Late April. Tony Atlas does leave Georgia Championship Wrestling. No spoiler, but we'll get to what's going to happen to the Georgia title soon. Uh, in the main event here in Huntington, Dusty Rhodes. It's not a far drive from Columbus, so Dusty Rhodes sticking around. And it's Dusty defeating Ole Anderson by pinfall 
in just three minutes and nine seconds. Not off, baby, if you will. Yeah, you got the best of me in Columbus. <laughs> but Ole Anderson, tomorrow night, you're going to lay down for the dream. Something tells me the purse was much bigger uh, at the <laughs> Ohio Center. Probably. As we go on April 22nd, we talked about Columbus, Ohio a little bit ago. Now we're going to talk about Columbus, Georgia. And the Memorial Auditorium undercard is Roberto Soto over Gypsy Joe. It's the French Angel defeating Charlie Cook, Robert Gibson over Bobby Eaton once more, Jerry Oates over Big Jim Duggan, and in the main event, Tony Atlas gone from the territory, as you said, Jamie. So in his place, subbing in, why Columbus, Georgia favorite, Ted Oates. Got a team with wildfire Tommy Rich to defeat the fabulous Freebirds. And it's just crazy as I look at this. And I know we talked about this plenty at this point, but it blows my mind how much more over the Oates brothers were in Columbus, Georgia, which is like less than a two hour drive from Atlanta. So it's just a funny dynamic to me. Uh, what, what Vince would call bizarro world, pal. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that uh, whatever tapes they had from the Columbus TV program and from these house shows. Just to see the ovation those guys got. I think. I mean, I, I guess, had a I guess good... it's kind of like Bob Armstrong and Marietta. Yeah, well, that's true too. You know, Bob. Ar- wow. Yeah, you could you make a good point there, but I do find Bob Armstrong a little more. I don't know, a little more charisma or a lot more charisma. Well, I guess. And, I should... <laughs> and and overall, he was a bigger name. Sure, but I get what but, you're saying. How over he was in the city of Marietta. Yeah, I mean, even in, in the WWF at the time, even though Larry Sharp was a heel. When he would wrestle the prelims at the Spectrum, being from Paulsboro, which is literally throw a stone across the Delaware River and you'd hit Paulsboro, uh, he always got a decent ovation. And you know what? He wasn't always they didn't cheered. Put him I was going to yeah, say. He wasn't always cheered, but he got that. He wasn't booed out of the building. Right. And it's kind of like the Duke of Dorchester up there in Boston as well, Pete Doherty. Now, I'm not saying he was cheered either quite a bit, maybe later on in those last few years. Uh, but it's just uh, I always enjoyed him as the Golden Terror. Yeah, the Golden Terror is right around the time that I first started. But And I'm one of the few people that, that enjoyed him doing WWF commentary. Oh, my God. You must be one of the very few people. Oh, dear God. And I know you're, He's doing you're that right saying, now on my I other show. This, oh. I listened to your other show today, uh, and, uh, and I know you're just about to get it into that uh, time period with him doing TV. Right. I mean, it was, I was listening to uh, Butch Reed and Superstar Graham doing Boston interviews today. Well, not to deviate too much. But you could see why they put them at the top of the card because Billy Graham, now the people had their chance to love him that they didn't have the chance eight years before. Yeah, the fans that are still there, they they do. You're right, and I'm not trying to get off topic here and talk '87 WWF too much, but you're right, and that just goes back to the old territory days of everybody wanted a reason to cheer for the superstar, especially in places like Boston. But, the, you know, he was the heel, and, and I'm sure some people still did. We I know, know for a fact some people still did, but now everybody got the opportunity to cheer for superstar Billy Graham on his way out. Yeah, I mean, I know we're a little off topic there. So let's get back to Georgia anyway. Sure, and you segued, you segued me good too there, Jamie, and, and I cut you off. We started talking something completely different. You talked about Marietta and Bob Armstrong, and that's where we're headed next. April the 24th, Marietta, Georgia at the Cobb County Civic Center. I wonder if Ray Trailer was here for this one. It's the French Angel over Charlie Cook. Big Jim Duggan defeating Mike Davis. Robert Gibson again over Bobby Eaton. Had to have some fun matches these last couple weeks between those two. And in the main event here, it's Mr. Wrestling 2. I'm going to assume maybe subbing for Tony Atlas, but it's Wrestling 2 and Tommy Rich over the Freebirds once again. It's a shame they never went back and covered the Wrestling 2 Superstar 
team up against the Andersons. Uh, unless, like, we're reviewing things in history. The, the people watching TBS have no idea what happened in that match, and they probably got excited over it. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, like you said, unless you're sitting here in 2023 and have a Google machine and can dissect things and look at old fanzines and have access to so many different things, YouTube and the like, you don't know what happened, and it's unfortunate. Well, and something else that's a little amazing about wrestling, too, when he come back also around September or so, maybe a little bit earlier than that, he's never really been a main event here. He's been a good supporting character right? Th- this whole time. And it, at least I've never heard anything about him having a bad attitude about not being the number one push guy. No, I don't. I've never heard that either. And I don't think that that would be an issue because two was even doing jobs, you know, when, when apparently told to do so. Anyway, I've seen a couple of uh, results here that have me scratching my head. But if they're accurate, which I assume they are, I have no reason not to believe that they are. He's done a couple of questionable jobs here that I was surprised by. And uh, apparently he went out there and did them. So, I mean, I don't yeah. really think there's an issue there. I think he knows where he is on the car, just kind of like he does coming up in Mid-South as well. Or even when he gets to the WWF. I mean, he puts that mask on, right? I mean, and he realizes he's got a rejuvenated career out of that, even a bigger career than he had prior to wearing the mask. So, you know, it's kind of like... Yeah, because at this point, he's got like a 20-year career going on, right? Right. Wasn't wasn't he like 13 years as rubber band Johnny Walker? Yeah, I think he has. It's got to be... I don't know what year he started off the top of my head, but I'm thinking at least, like you said, over 20 at this point. Yeah. But a, a good team player for Mr. Wrestling, too. Indeed. I have to agree. As we roll on, April 25th, back in Atlanta for WTBS Studios and Georgia Championship Wrestling on your TV screen. It's a special 90-minute edition this week due to the Atlanta Braves baseball MLB season now upon us, Jamie, as uh, we get Which going Which is the here. reason they were not America's team to me. <laughs> well, that's... They, they tried to shove that damn people's throats. <laughs> The Atlanta and Braves I, I, were my I, I least favorite them. team growing up. Not it's hard. Well, no, maybe they weren't, but I still it was easy to dislike them because they they took over my wrestling t- uh, programming. Exactly. What are you doing? I can like them. I can like them Monday to well, yeah, Monday to Friday because they would even cut into the best of show on Sunday. But you screw up my two hours on Saturday night, I get mad. Yeah, and it went I never, on for decades. I never forget TBS for getting involved with. College football, but we'll tackle that when we get there. <laughs> when we get there. So uh, what do we have here? A new backdrop behind Gordon Soley for this edition of TV. New backdrop shaped with an outline of the state of Georgia with a giant satellite and a GCW logo inside of it. The changes, they just keep coming around here. Yeah, that was pretty good. I, I really like that backdrop. I liked it better than the one that they're going to go to in two or three months. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't take long for them to change this again. That's why you can kind of pinpoint anything that happened during this time frame, but just out of the blue, just a completely different look, and I loved it. That blue background, they had a good almost two-year run with that, didn't they? Yeah, quite a a long time. Yeah, I think think you're right, about two years at least, something like that, but yeah, this one won't stick around too long, but it's it's cool while it lasts. Yeah, I, I liked it. And again, we're light on the sound bites here for this episode of TV, so I had to rely more on the fanzines, the old result magazines, and I got to thank Walt Wolanski specifically for his old write-up for this show. It does a lot of help here as we get rolling. We kick things off with a promo this week from Hugh Butler, the local promoter in Carrollton. I talked about that on the last episode we did, Jamie. I said, I know I saw the Carrollton promoter pop up on TV, and I knew I wasn't imagining things. Here he is, Hugh Butler, who works with... uh 
Fred Ward at times. Hugh says he's been promoting for 18 years at this point, uh, making a cameo here before his event later today on Saturday evening. As we head off to the ring, it's Mr. Wrestling 2 over Ricky Harris, the future Black Bart. And then post-match, we get a promo from Wrestling 2 as Gordon Soley informs Mr. Wrestling that he and Steve Kern will be facing a tough combination at the Omni tomorrow night. That's all we get. Two says he and Kern, they've been successful in the past, and tomorrow will be no different. From there, they use Wrestling 2 to hard sell the Omni card, putting over the world title match between Race and Flair and Tommy Rich meeting another of Michael Hayes' bounty hunters. And they did that quite often. If you weren't in one of the main matches, they would use you to pimp out the show, basically. Right, and, you know, Mr. Wrestling 2 technically has a manager's license, so are we going back to, to that? Are we really going back to that, Jamie? <laughs> that, that angle hasn't come to its conclusion yet, right? You, you, you just got to wait for it. Patience, patience, grasshopper. Patience. I got gotcha. you. Remember, he managed Steve Kern there, or was supposed to. But we'll, we'll get back to that. But wrestling two is the perfect guy for this to put everything else over because he is that respected grandfather figure, even so, though he'd probably give me a knee lift if he heard me say that. So we don't know who yet, but we do know it's Wrestling 2 and Steve Kern taking on, quote-unquote, a tough combination, says Gordon Soley, or you may know them better as suitable opponents at the Omni. As uh show rolls on, Nature Boy Ric Flair out here, warming up for tomorrow night, taking on Tony Russo and scoring the win with the figure four. Post-match promo here with the Nature Boy in just 24 hours the most coveted prize in all of professional wrestling will be his. Harley Race has been champion for a long time, but Flair's time has come. His time is now. So that's where John Cena got that from. Come See, and- Cena is a thief. I know he it. Is. He remembers that one episode of Georgia Championship Wrestling where Flair says, my time has come, my time is now. All the way back in 1981. Who knew, Jamie? Hey, it's good to know Cena watched tapes. <laughs> So Ric Flair, he had to come and find Harley Race here in Georgia because Race wouldn't come to the Nature Boy. But that's okay, because Atlanta is Flair's kind of town, his kind of people. Ric Flair reiterating the NWA world title is coming home to Big Daddy, warning Harley Race to be ready to take on the greatest of them all. Woo! Just another promo to hard sell that world title match tomorrow night in the Omni. And one would think, and me watching all these years later, you would think that the title is going to change hands in the Omni. And you talked about this on the last episode of Regional Wrestling we did together. You talked about where are the Harley Race promos? Well, finally, just in time for the big event tomorrow night, a rebuttal. We get a VTR promo here from the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Harley Race, who says Flair followed him to Atlanta because it's no surprise that Harley wrestles here a lot. Makes sense. The champion tells the nature boy to stop the talking and step in the ring. Race says it'll take more than talk to dethrone the champion. He dares Flair to try and take the gold buckle. Flair may say he's the cock of the walk, but Harley Race's belt reads World Heavyweight Champion, which proves Harley is the real cock of the walk. On God's green earth. Another guy. You believe every word coming out of Harley Race's mouth. He's not full of hot air. Him and Ole would have been a great feud. You know, it's so weird. When I'm watching wrestling, Jamie, just to watch wrestling, they don't capture me like they do when I'm actually watching and really paying it. You know, it's a lot, a lot of times nowadays we take it for granted. It's background noise to t- at times. 
And at least for me, it is anyway. And when I'm sitting here and actually paying attention, my God, there are certain people that, like you said, Harley Race is one of them that just pull you in. It's all real. And you believed it was real. I mean, even 13-year-old me watching this stuff where I'm not completely knowing what's going on. You know, you got your ideas. I thought that guy was real. So there it was. We heard from the challenger and the world champion. And then from there on the show, an excellent recap of the entire Freebirds Ted DiBiase storyline as narrated by Gordon Soley. They're going to show clips from the four pile drivers match as well as DiBiase's hospital promo and his working out returning to the ring. So Georgia Championship Wrestling working hard to tell the story for those latecomers that may have caught it mid midway through the storyline. I thought that that's amazing for the time frame. Remember Vince and all the video packages throughout the years? They were doing that here in Georgia all the way back in 1981. Yeah, and once again, this is probably the influence of the Cowboy. Um, after looking at the last Omni card and this Omni card, I, I was starting to have doubts that the Cowboy was still you know, in charge. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking that maybe this was possibly a transitional period, but you're still seeing the Cowboy uh, effect here. I, I think you had already said that uh, Colonel Buck Robley's helping out yeah. with the booking. But I, I believe that, you know, this is Bill Watts at his best doing this stuff. But I'm thinking they're getting ready to turn it over shortly to somebody else because the, the cards just aren't popping like the ones in February and March when Watts was fully in charge. It, you know, they were popping top to bottom. And now it just seems to be something slightly a little missing on the Omni shows. Yeah, from my understanding, Bill Watts, obviously the booker here, but uh, Buck Robley was handling, overseeing things too, because Cowboy was quite busy in the Mid-South Territory as well at this point, and he just had that Superdome show. So it plays it, it makes sense that maybe Buck Robley had a little more, and I'm just guessing here, just like you are, maybe he had a little more hand in some of the recent things going on here on TV, but or even that last Omnicard, which kind of felt flat compared to every other Omnicard prior to it here in 1981. Now, I know you got to drop down, in order to pick everything back up again. So that could be the case as well. But we know right around the corner, George Scott got to take over the book for a little bit. I believe that's coming in just a couple of weeks. So not too far around the corner, a new booker headed to town. But for right now, I got to tell you, one thing that's key uh, that you can tell is a Bill Watts thing is going back and retelling the story every week. When these guys are cutting promos, they're, they're giving you the entire storyline every week. Uh, even if it takes a, just a paragraph to get through the entire the background of everything that's happened over the last three, four months, they're, they're catching everyone up, all the new watchers out there. So I think that's really a, a great idea that, that you didn't see a whole lot back then. So really smart move there by Bill Watts. Yeah, and it doesn't matter who's involved in the angle. Of course, the one thing consistent this whole time has been Hayes, Gordy, and Roberts. But it doesn't matter if it's Tommy Rich talking, DiBiase talking, um, Junkyard Dog. Wrestling to get involved in that. It's always bringing up the memories in there. Even going back, Rob Fuller and, and, and the Plowboy, Mr. Philadelphia. Right. They always repeated everything that was going on, and people were able to understand it a lot better. Yeah, because we didn't have video packages up every week on TV back then, so it was nice to uh, have a refresher for in case you missed a week of TV. Even if you were a fan that tuned in every week, maybe you missed last week. They're going to let you know what happened, so... Really cool work here uh, by everyone involved, including a replay here of Ted DiBiase's workout in the gym from last week. 
Ted, of course, hoping the men who did this to him are listening, because when he's done with them, they will remember his name, because Ted DiBiase is returning soon for Revenge, and once again followed by DiBiase's music video set to the tune of Fame. Video shows Ted working out in the gym, slight mix of DiBiase in the ring as well there, building up Ted's return, which is coming sooner than you guys might think. Yeah, again, here we go. Up till now, DiBiase hasn't been the man. He's just been part of the story. But that's about to evolve and take the next step. As the show rolls on, we see the national tag team champion, Fabulous Freebirds, in the ring. It's Gordy and Buddy Roberts over Mike Jackson and Pat Rose. How's that for a enhancement team there? Jackson and Rose. As we get a post-match Freebirds promo, Michael Hayes noticed at the start of this week's show, Gordon Soley naming all of the talent here on the program. Apparently, he quote-unquote forgot to mention the Freebirds name when he was talking about all those stars here today. But that's okay, says Michael Hayes, because everyone already knows you can't have a show without the fabulous Freebirds. And you know something else? It's springtime here in 1981, and love is in the air, says Hayes. Passion is in the air. Passion for hurting people, that is, as out comes the Apache Bull Ramus, who is the next bounty hunter in line to take out Tommy Rich tomorrow night at the Omni. Hayes says Ramos is here for the cash. Ten grand. Ten thousand large, guys. Not to beat Tommy Rich, not to pin him in the matchup tomorrow, but to hurt him. If all Hayes wanted done was to beat Rich, he'd do it himself. But he'd rather pay someone, someone else, to do the dirty work and take Rich out while the birds prepare for the junkyard dog and his mystery partner tomorrow night at the Omni. Yeah, you, you got to love a good bounty hunter angle, especially unlike the last one what was that the executioner or the Avenger, uh, whoever it was. The Avenger, that's it. <laughs> at least Apache Bull Ramus is that surprise name that, yeah, you know what? This guy has quite the reputation. He could be the guy that takes Tommy out. And I love that he's in town a day before the show. Not that he had anything else going on by this point in his career. Sorry, Bull. But uh, I just love the fact that he's here, and you can see him on TV, 300-plus pounds. He looks like uh, something to worry about. Definitely a big man. I mean, if he accidentally fell on top of you, you'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, so for those out there who were unaware of the name and, and who he was, we got to actually visualize, we got to see him here on TBS the day before. Yeah, and this, that is a common theme going forward with, with uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, even into World Championship Wrestling. When they have some guys coming in for one-offs, they'll have them appear on TV on Saturday and then the Omni on Sunday. As the show goes on, we get a VTR of a matchup. It's Bruiser Brody. You guys heard me, right? Brody scoring a win here over Terry Latham. And I thought, that's odd placement, a Bruiser Brody match here on TBS. But it'll make sense here later in the show. Always a method to the madness here. And these VTRs, we'll talk about that when we get there. But for now, the show goes on. It's Robert Gibson scoring a win over Mike Davis. And then a Robert Gibson promo. How that? How about that, Jamie? Getting a little TV time here is Robert Gibson. As Gordon Soley, he mentions that Robert's mother is a deaf mute. Of course, we know the rock and rolls would use sign language often for the camera. And that was why. Now you guys know why. And here, Robert, he talks about him and his brother, Ricky Gibson, working hard for everything they've ever gotten in this sport. Nothing has ever come easy for the Gibson brothers. And I predict big things ahead for this Robert Gibson fellow, Jamie. Oh, absolutely. I'm guessing they have Gibson doing an interview here because Mr. Personality 
wasn't here, so he filled in for him this week. Oh, good call. That makes sense. And he's probably just as equal in personality, if not more so. You know what? And maybe even looking at it this time, you know, you, you throw him out there and let's see if we can uh, make something out of Robert Gibson. I mean, I, they figured out pretty quick that Bobby Eaton couldn't talk too well, and you never really saw Bobby speak much after that. Right. Uh, but maybe they're hoping here, Robert Gibson, they can develop something, especially since his brother has been in the business for a good while. Right. So we only heard from him a segment or two ago, but what's the big deal when it's another Michael Hayes promo? I'm sure you're not complaining, Jamie. Up next, we have a bout between Wildfire Tommy Rich taking on Bobby Eaton. But Bobby has apparently taken interest in that $10,000 bounty that Hayes has put up. And as Michael is sorting through his money there, talking to Gordon, he goes through his 100s, goes through his 50s, finds himself a $10 bill, discards that. Gotta love that. Michael Hayes tossing the $10 bill down to the studio floor. Michael announces that if Bobby Eaton can take out Rich here today, the 10 grand is all his. Seems like Bull Ramos wouldn't like that very much, but whatever. Well, Bull knows he could take it out on Michael's hide if uh, if if Eaton actually does the job first. But I am disappointed in Michael a little bit. But I'm sure he he had his reasons. I, Michael should have stuffed that right into like Gordon's top pocket on his coat. There you go. That ten dollar bill. But then again, Gordon ha- has not been very kind to Michael Hayes in this whole Georgia run. So no, he has dismissed like, him several times from uh, in- interviews for sure. Yeah, so they haven't exactly gotten along. So. Maybe Michael's right. Throw it on the floor, make Gordon actually bend down and get it. Ah, ah that's a couple uh, drinks there. For, oh, never mind. We'll move on. So uh, here up next, like I just said, it's a ten thousand. It's now a ten thousand dollar bounty match, Jamie. The bounty hunter is Bobby Eaton with Michael Hayes in his corner. He's taking on the wildfire Tommy Rich here, but Tommy is not alone. Tommy has with him Ted DiBiase making his return to WTBS Studios. Really fun five-minute matchup here as Tommy Rich has Bobby Eaton in trouble when Michael Hay is going to trip Rich up from the floor and hold Rich's leg down as Eaton climbs to the top rope looking to do some serious damage. But Ted DiBiase jumps up on the apron, comes over, shoving Bobby Eaton off the top rope, Bobby taking a flip bump into the middle of the ring. Great bump there by Eaton. And all of this interfering going on, by the way, guys, right in front of the referee, by the way, as a Ted then going after Michael Hayes on the floor and they take the fight to the ring. So the cornerman now fighting on one side of the ring while Tommy Rich with the Thez press on Bobby Eaton going to get the one, two, three Rich pinning Eaton here. Meanwhile, at the same time, Ted DiBiase with a power slam on Michael Hayes on the other side of the ring. And he's looking for that figure four leg lock going to try and cripple the leader of the Freebirds. But the other birds, it's Gordy and Roberts, arrive to make the save. And Terry Gordy once again looking to pile drive Ted DiBiase to no avail. DiBiase going to counter that with a backdrop before the babyface is able to run off the heels. Great little segment and even better, the return of Ted DiBiase. And now the next step, DiBiase finally back. Maybe not wrestling yet, but at least he's in ring competition. Yeah, and there it is. So we've seen Ted DiBiase. He was working out in the gym last week. Now he's back. He's okay enough to make it to the studio and risk injury, further injury once again. Corner man here for Tommy Rich. Saves the day, gets his hands on Michael Hayes. Didn't get to do everything he wanted to, but it really had the crowd going. And I love the sight. The referee just everything out of control. He's watching everything unfold. 
Michael Hayes cheats, doesn't call for the bell. Ted DiBiase gets involved, shoves Eaton off, doesn't call for the bell. The, the two cornermen get in the ring and begin fighting while there's a pinfall going on. DiBiase dropping a power slam on Michael Hayes at the same time the referee's counting three on Tommy Rich. A whole lot of things going on here at this point in the show. It's just a good thing it wasn't Nick Patrick because his dad would have been real upset. No, they would have had a conversation for sure. Yeah, I don't know who that referee was. That was that was one of those guys that I just blank when I saw that. As the action continues here this week, a final tune-up match before the big world title bout tomorrow night sees Ric Flair defeat Gypsy Joe. How's that for a match here on TV? As we get a Ric Flair promo, the final one prior to the big world title match tomorrow night. That brought Jack Briscoe the World Heavyweight Championship, but it was to the right side. Flair uses that figure four to the left side. An unusual application. Uh, he is the only man, as I've said before, in professional wrestling that I know of today that uses the application of the figure four in the manner in which he does. And uh, to my knowledge, nobody at this time has uh, achieved a defense for it. But tomorrow night at the Omni, of course, uh, this will be the critical thing. Can he get that figure four on Harley Race? Tomorrow night at the Omni, 24 hours. I'm going to show Race. I'm going to show the world. That belt is ready to change hands. I've waited. I've stood in line. And now, the nature of stands number one among them all. Tomorrow night, Race, I'm taking the NWA title. Be at your best, brother, because you're going to have to be a dude to handle the nature boy. So there it was, as you speculated last time, Jamie, Gordon Soley referencing Ric Flair using the opposite leg to apply the figure four here. Nobody apparently has found a counter yet, which is kind of funny, since it's literally the same exact move just applied to the opposite leg. Uh, but tomorrow night, Harley Race, Ric Flair has stood in the line long enough, and now he stands above all others as the number one contender. Woo! That'll do it, man. Well, that's because Don Morocco hasn't faced Ric Flair. Oh, he hasn't turned it over yet? Okay, I got you. He hasn't turned it over? Yeah. But back to Ric Flair for a moment. Um, all right, so four weeks of television, eight matches, and if you go back and take a look at his opponents, each opponent improved in quality as it went along. It sure did. And, it, and in this show, he beats Tony Russo, who was a proven ring veteran. Very solid hand. Very underrated. And, Great and now you're go now you're going to Gypsy Joe, who is while you know near the end is I'm not going to say a Georgia legend, but has been around there for years and years. Yeah, obviously he's a name. Is is at the, at the he, end. He, of the he's day. a name. You're adding credibility, mm-hmm. and this is definitely a tryout for what is going to arrive when we get into September. Yeah, slow build there. Eight matches, four weeks for Ric Flair. Eight promos from the Nature Boy as well. They're not really long, lengthy Ric Flair-style promos that would we would become accustomed to in the Mid-Atlantic region, but, I mean, he's getting the job done. This was a 25-second promo from the time Flair started till he ended his uh, his jive here this week and just gets the point across. The time for talking is done. It's all set up and ready to go. World title on the line tomorrow night. Harley Race defending against the Nature Boy as we roll on. It's the West Texas Express, Blackjack Mulligan Sr. and Blackjack Mulligan Jr. And they defeat the team of Ken Timms and John Holmes. If you guys are wondering who Jr. is, it's actually Barry Windham. He's used that name in Mid-Atlantic, in Georgia. We'll talk a little bit more here on the other side of this Blackjacks, or excuse me, this West Texas Express promo. Now that the secret is out, let me call the Mulligans over. See if we can't have a word with them. 
Blackjack Mulligan and his son, Blackjack Mulligan uh, Jr. And what, uh, as I mentioned during the match, uh, certainly my congratulations, Barry. There's something I'd like to say. I need to make an explanation for myself. It's, uh, a lot of people know that I've been in a lot of parts of this country wrestling under a different name. I mean, you've been there. Absolutely. And, uh, what I wanted to do was when I accepted my father's name to become a professional wrestler, I wanted to prove to him and prove to the fans of the country that I could carry the Mulligan name. And that's why I'm here. Well, I'll say he's carrying it. This is one of the proudest moments of my life. Anytime a father has got a son, especially one like this man right here, that exceeds anything I've ever done, he can have our family name. He can use it anytime he wants to. Because now, what the wrestling world has got to worry about now is that the Blackjacks, after Landa's retirement, are back. Freebirds, Andersons, it doesn't make any difference anywhere, anytime. Here it is right here, father and son. And if I can't get the job done, Junior can. Brody, a big old rascal running around here. And I'll guarantee you, you keep running your mouth, I'm as big as you are. Singles, tags, it makes no difference. The West Texas Express has arrived, I will guarantee you. And you know what, Gordon? The whole wrestling world is in trouble, brother. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. The West Texas Express has arrived. There it is, the Mulligans in a promo. Mulligan Jr. acknowledging wrestling under a different name elsewhere. Barry Windham, but he wants to explain himself here on national TV. Makes sense. Barry wanted to carry the Mulligan name, and that's why he's here, to prove himself along with his father. As we hear from Blackjack Sr., he talks Barry Windham exceeding everything that he's ever done. I wrote, already? But Mulligan says it's the proudest moment in his life to be able to team with his son and watch his success. The West Texas Express has arrived, and everyone is in trouble, warning the Freebirds and the Andersons. Mulligan even warning the big bruiser Brody. And now that VTR makes a little more sense. So there it is, Blackjack Mulligan back in town, and this time he's with his son, Barry Windham. Yeah, and uh, this was that short time that Barry was Blackjack Mulligan Jr. Uh, I got to meet Barry at one of the uh, Barry Rose CWS uh, Fan Fest a couple oh, years ago. Cool. And he was asked the, the story. Oh, no, I, I think I asked a question. How did you become... Uh, Blackjack Mulligan Jr. Mm-hmm. And he said that he had had that car wreck in Florida and um, he was more or less out of control because mom and dad weren't there with him. It's, it's like the first time in his life he was really on his own. Right. So he has the car crash. And his parents come to see him at the hospital. Uh, he goes to sleep and the next thing he knows, he wakes up and he's in Knoxville, Tennessee because that's where dad was owning the promotion and right. he wanted to make sure that uh, he could straighten Barry out, so Barry would be on a straight and narrow from there on out. And oh. decided at that time he would just make him Blackjack Mulligan Jr. Wow, very cool story. I'd never heard that before. I don't know if Barry's told that in a shoot or anything, but very cool. I appreciate you sharing that here on the show because I had never heard that. I just figured trying to, uh, not Barry trying to live off his father's name, but maybe his father trying to give Barry some credibility by lending his name, but apparently a lot more to that than just that and. uh very cool story. Very humbling of Wyndham to admit all of that as well. Yeah, and who knows if 
let's just say Blackjack Jr. gets over, we might never have Barry Windham. That's sad to think about. So thank God we did. I, I, I love me some Barry Windham. But it sounds like Blackjack helped straighten his son out, even though we all know he has problems down the line. Sure. But at, at least he got him straightened out during that period so he could become Barry Windham. That's a very dangerous period of your life to uh, really get out of control. So it's a good thing he was uh, reeled back in for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, good for himself and good for us. Indeed. As the show continues on, Tommy Rich in the ring going to score a win over Pete Martin. And then it's our final soundbite of regional wrestling this week, guys. We're going to hear from the wildfire Tommy Rich and Ted DiBiase. Uh, it looked to me just about like a warm-up. Yes, sir, Gordon, you know, but that's all right. Everybody's got to start somewhere. I started the same place this guy did. You know, you start out, you wrestle guys that's got the experience. But the thing is, you never give up. I gave up with Harley Race. I went back to Tennessee, you know. I thought that was it for me. I realized that quitting wasn't an answer. So I come back to Georgia. I'm starting all over, and they can lay them all out. You know, I got Ted. Ted's back. It's good to have him back, you know. And it's good to know you got somebody watching your back. Amen. I'll tell you what. Let's talk about tomorrow night at the Omni here in Atlanta because that is a crucial night for both of you. You're back. The mystery is no longer a mystery. That's right, Gordon. You know, Tommy knows just exactly where I'm coming from from what he just said. Michael Hayes, you tried to eliminate me because I posed a threat to you. Well, you made one mistake. You tried to eliminate somebody that doesn't know how to quit. I've never quit, and I'm not going to start now. The mystery's over, Hayes. Junkyard, right. junkyard Dog's partner tomorrow night is me. Well, they say that things come to those that are patient and wait. Well, I've waited patiently for five weeks recovering from this injury. Nobody's going to take my career away from me. It's going to be one hell of a night of time. Do you bring Ramos on? Sissy! Sissy! The All right, so Gordon Sully putting Rich over is making it look easy out here today. And Tommy Rich showing why he's so beloved as he puts his opponent Pete Martin over here, stating it's okay to lose. We all start somewhere. Hey, Tommy even got his start where Martin is today. Pretty classy comments from a humble wildfire. How can you not like this guy? Exactly. I mean, that's that's the ultimate good guy right there. I've been where you are. Someday you'll be where I am. Yeah, very cool comments there by Tommy Rich. Classic good guy. Uh, and, and just felt really natural, too, the way it came out of his mouth here in the promos. Tommy goes on. He talks about, quote-unquote, quitting after losing to Harley Race last year, but says that wasn't the answer. But he's back now to start over, and he's glad to have someone like Ted DiBiase watching his back. And then it's DiBiase's turn to speak here. He says the Freebirds, they tried to take Ted out of wrestling, but they made one mistake. They tried to take someone out who doesn't know how to quit, and he's not going to start now. As DiBiase then announces that he will be Junkyard Dog's mystery partner, Tomorrow night at the Omni, Ted DiBiase will return for revenge against the Freebirds in just 24 hours' time. DiBiase says good things come to those who wait, Jamie, and Teddy waited five long weeks, and nobody is going to take away his career. And this is the Ted DiBiase I've been waiting to see. Uh, I got to see him in Mid-South during that run, and when he did interviews, they were nice and strong. So far here, he's been basically playing second fiddle for the most part to whoever his partner was. Right. But now he is now taking, as I keep saying about everybody else, he's now taking that next step. That's the strongest and most confident that I've heard DiBiase uh, do an interview to date. Yeah. He's in the forefront of the feud. Finally, it was uh, 
Uh, quite a long ways to get there behind Robert Fuller. You could even argue, though not wrestling-wise, maybe behind Stan Frazier because Frazier was the initial partner of Fuller, and he was the one that got that initial neck injury as well. DiBiase kind of just hanging in there, cutting the promos and putting on the good matches. And then we go on. We have the Junkyard Dog. It's been Tommy Rich. But now DiBiase coming back for revenge, and he's looking forward to it against the Freebirds. And you're right, he's finally there, the forefront. DiBiase leading the charge, and he has every bit of a reason to. And this is the beginning of Teddy's got about two, two and a half months left in Georgia, and it's going to be an entertaining two and a half months. So after a quick break and a recap of Tommy Rich over Bobby Eaton again from earlier on the show, we get another Michael Hayes promo, third time here this week to close out the show. It's the final hard sell for tomorrow night in the Omni. It's Michael Hayes out here with his Freebird brothers and the Apache Bull Ramus just moments after learning that Ted DiBiase is not only returning, but he is indeed the Junkyard Dog's mystery partner versus the Freebirds tomorrow night. And P.S. going to respond here. Hayes talks fighting for everything the birds ever got. They walked over anyone and everyone to get to where they are today, that being the national tag team champions. But every time Michael Hayes turns around, it's something new, Jamie. Tommy Rich returning to the territory, Junkyard Dog following the birds over from Mid-South, now Ted DiBiase back from his injury, as Michael Hayes vows that if it takes every dollar that the free birds have ever made, they've made a lot of money, by the way, if it takes them every penny, they will use it to rid the world of their troubles, beginning tomorrow night with Bull Ramos, whatever it costs them to hurt, not beat, but hurt, Tommy Rich. Somebody throws seven figures at the Cowboy and Company, and beg them to keep booking forever because I wrote, this shit is phenomenal. Love the talent here right now in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, this is the uh, basically the ultimate in fandom at, at this point and, what, and what's going on uh, with this Freebird feud with, with Ric Flair and Harley Race. And it's just great stuff. And again, here we go. Michael Hayes time. He has delivered on everything. Will he deliver again? tomorrow night in the we'll have to wait and see as the evening goes on here on the 25th we heard from hugh butler the promoter of Carrollton, at the top of the show well here's what happens later on in Carrollton at the fairgrounds it's the french angel over mike davis roberto soto defeating big jim duggan robert gibson again over bobby eaton and even on his way out it's steve kern defeating the mongolian stomper here in Carrollton. and in the main event tommy rich and a returning Ted DiBiase, maybe to knock off a little ring rust here, it's DiBiase teaming with Tommy Rich the day before the Omni as they score a win over the fabulous Freebirds. Yeah, you probably have that absolutely correct. Just to knock a little ring rust off because he hasn't worked in five weeks. Not in public, anyway. We speculated that perhaps maybe he was on a tour of Japan, but like I said last episode, I went and take a, took a look, and no, he's just out. And it's more like three, three and a half weeks uh, that he stops working the house shows, but he's still been out closer to a month. And, and it's just good to get in there and get the feel for the ring again and certainly get in there and maybe a little timing with the Freebirds as well. I mean, the only wrestling he's been probably doing is with his new wife at there this point. Because I think that's what we might have surmised. He possibly got married during that five-week stretch. Right, that's very possible. Um, as we go on, normally we have a card in Chattanooga on Saturday night, but they wait until the, the following day, kind of odd, Sunday, midday, 3 p.m. bell time in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the Memorial Auditorium, April the 26th. Roberto Soto over Gypsy Joe. 
It's Robert Gibson defeating Jim Duggan. Bobby Eaton over Steve Kern. Could have been fun. Tommy Rich defeating the Mongolian Stomper. And in the main event, Mr. Wrestling 2 teaming with the Junkyard Dog to defeat the team of the Fabulous Freebirds. Well, there you go. Steve Kern doing the honor there to Bobby Eaton. He finally did, yeah, near the end of the uh, the run here uh, is Steve Kern. And, uh, yeah, does the job to Bob Eaton in Chattanooga. And uh, Bobby, he's he's worked up in Chattanooga before, so he's maybe a little well-known up in that region, I'd have to think. So good win there for Eaton over Steve Kern and uh, just a fun card in Chattanooga, but just a little odd. They usually run that town Saturday night, and here they're doing it midday Sunday, and a lot of these guys are going to have to – they're going to have to hop in the car. Not that they haven't done it before, but they're going to have to drive down to the Omni, make it in time for that big show upcoming later in the night. Yeah, I wonder how far of a drive that is. Because I imagine the prelim guys, as soon as that match was over, they bolted. And then you have the Freebirds going on last, so they still had plenty of time to get there. Well, let's do a little Google search. Is this correct? Two hours, less than a two-hour drive. Well, now that's with a highway here in 2023, but less than a two-hour drive from Atlanta, Georgia to Chattanooga. Well, it looks like it's an interstate, so that was probably around then. So uh, there it was, guys. We uh, wrap everything up, and there's just one more card to look at here before we close the show this week. We head off to the Omni, Atlanta, Georgia, April the 26th. I think it was like an 8 p.m. bell time. Going to see Bobby Eaton in the opener go to a draw with Roberto Soto. Now, I've also seen reports of Soto over again here. He defeated Bobby Eaton last time. It would make sense for somebody to go over here rather than do a draw in a return match, but... Either way, uh, most of the results I'm seeing, Bobby Eaton over Roberto Soto in the opener. Also on the card, it's Robert Gibson defeating Gypsy Joe. Steve Kern, as promised, teaming with Mr. Wrestling 2. Their tough competition, Jim Duggan and the French Angel. And it is Wrestling 2 and Kern over Duggan and the French Angel there. As the show continues on, Dusty Rhodes back for more revenge here in Georgia, this time defeating the Mongolian Stomper. So first it was the manager, Don Carson, Last time here in the Omni in that moo bull rope match. And now Rhodes back again, exacting revenge on that no good stomper, if you will. You know what? It just hit me. Dusty got his ultimate revenge for Carson calling him a fat guy by having Jerry Oates run him out. Or Ted Oates run him out of the territory. (laughs) It was Jerry, and that that could have been it. Oh, it was Jerry. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, for those wondering, Stomper's been doing a lot of jobs lately. He's dropped the belt, not really featured on TV. His manager's not here anymore. Stomper going to finish up his final night, going to be May 4th. We'll get into that on the next episode of Regional Wrestling. But for now, we continue on with the Omni card. It's Wildfire Tommy Rich defeating Michael Hayes' latest bounty hunter, the Apache Bull Ramos. You wonder if that was a Fez Press or, or something else altogether. Probably. You think I so? Mean, we're, eh, you know, that's a second thought. That's... That's a lot of men. I'm going to guess shenanigans. I'm going to guess Michael Hayes up on the apron, a little collision there, and a schoolboy. That's my guess. Yeah, his his interference backfires. There you go. Makes sense. He doesn't have the free birds with him, so this doesn't count as his plan's not coming to fruition. No, this is just the bounty hunter. It's not his fault if the bounty hunter is incompetent. No, 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 it wasn't the Bull Ramos fan. Was was it his fault the junkyard dog was in the wrong spot when the queen accidentally flew in his eyes? Was it his fault that the ropes were there and he tripped as he headed to the ring? It's not his fault that Stan Frazier was fat and fell into Terry Gordy's legs and got pot and spiked pile driver. That wasn't his fault. That explains why Jimmy Garvin joined the Freebirds, so Michael Hayes could use that line. It's bingo! Not my fault. There you go. There is the long style of mystery besides (laughs) those guys getting drunk every night. Well, that too. (laughs) Fun times in Dallas for sure. (laughs) 
As uh, we close out the show, a couple of more matches here. Don't forget, guys, non-title matchup, but a special challenge as the Freebirds. Can't believe this one. Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts battling the Junkyard Dog and the returning Ted DiBiase to a no contest as Teddy winds up taking another Gordy pile driver during this matchup, but managing to kick out on the two count. Michael Hayes finally attacking DiBiase on the outside during this match while Junkyard Dog in the ring during the hot tag. DiBiase going to get the better of Hayes on the floor, leading to Michael rolling inside the ring, which causes a three versus two matchup between Dog, DiBiase, and all three Freebirds. So this was more about DiBiase's return than it was actually scoring a win here as this feud rages on. Michael Hayes kind of get makes do with his promise again. They do give DiBiase a pile driver, thus weakening him for the future. Doesn't knock him out. But, you know, DiBiase, from their perspective, is right to go down again. Well, they teased it on TV. Gordy tried to pile drive DiBiase once more, take him out on television leading into this match. But he hits it here in the Omni, and somehow DiBiase still managing to kick out. So apparently he's more rehab than we even thought, which is a good thing. And that feud is going to continue on here as the Freebirds will not be done until they rid the world of Ted DiBiase. Good luck with that, Michael Hayes and company, as we head into our main event here at the Omni in Atlanta. It is, as promised, the world title on the line as the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, going to score a win over the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Harley Race. Unfortunately, only by a disqualification. I've also seen that Harley Race defeated Flair in some of the fanzines as well, but it seems pretty accurate from some of the stuff that I was reading that it was Ric Flair scoring the win here over Harley on a DQ in that world title main event. Yeah, big picture for what's to come that would kind of make sense. Yeah, lots of fun matches here. Dusty and the Stomper, Tommy Rich against the Bounty Hunter. So we see Tommy Rich get involved with Hayes without actually going one-on-one there. And of course, in the main event, Hayes getting involved again, this time by force of Ted DiBiase. And it's DiBiase and Rich looking for a little revenge there against all three Freebirds. But we weren't done yet. Still a world title match to close the show. Not really happy with the, the finishes here and the double main, if you want to call it that, the no contest followed by the disqualification, but it was the times and the and they returned the Omni every couple of weeks. It wasn't like we were waiting a few months for the next big card. Yeah, so we'll get right back into things. And I guess, Jamie, we're going to wrap things up here uh, because something big is about to take place and we're going to have to save that for the next episode of Regional Wrestling. Something huge about to go down in the world of Georgia Championship Wrestling and the NWA on April the 27th, the following day. And I can't wait to discuss that on the next edition. Lots of crazy stuff going on. All of these huge names here. Of course, we know the Stompers leaving. Steve Kern on his way out. Don Carson already gone. But so many big names still here. And I'm sure Steve-O going to return any day now as well. I can't wait. Mr. Personality. As national champion, he better return with that belt. Well, we do know that he's coming back with the belt eventually. Do you think Olsonowski was like, I'm never going to get this again. I'm just not going to return. I'm going to keep this belt forever. This is the only way that I can say that I'm the champion without ever losing this title. Well, that's what Tony Atlas tried. (laughs) Works for Tony. Maybe it'll work for him. Oh, Mr. Hercules, Tony Atlas. Yeah, well, we'll find more out about that. And I forgot about that, too. Tony Atlas also gone from the territory at this point as well, which is unfortunate. But what a hell of a run he had all of those matches with Harley Race and things, but 
that's uh, in the past as we move on here into 1981. So many big things to come. So many big names on their way in as well. Yeah, they just keep getting bigger all <laughs> all the way until Georgia shuts down. Big names always roll in. And I'm sure you guys think that's a cliche statement because look at the how does it get any bigger? You're probably asking Harley Race, Ric Flair, the Freebirds, Tommy Rich, Tony Atlas was just your junkyard dog. Ted DiBiase, how can it get bigger? Well, stay tuned. Oh, yeah, the hits, as they say, just keep rolling. All right, that's going to wrap it up here this week. Jamie, you got anything you want to add to the show? We'd love to hear from you right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll start off with uh, some good news that I saw today. Um, a good friend of ours from the other ship, Russell Rawlson, who's had a tough time with his health recently. He was very disappointed he couldn't make the last CWF Fan Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had transported him from his home. I think he's up in the panhandle. And they had shipped him down to the Tampa area to help get his health under control. And within a couple of weeks, they're ready to send him home already. And he's doing a lot better. So three cheers for uh, Russell. He's a uh, really a good guy. Wow, that is uh, good news. Glad to hear that. Yeah, it, it's great that he's going home. And uh, and I believe he is a listener of ours. So I'm raising a beverage in your honor there, Big Russ. There you go. It's very cool. And uh, I guess I'll also plug my boys over at the uh, – the other ship podcast. Uh, I was just on it for the fourth week in a row, uh, but, but now my time is is done. We're done with the um, Jim fantasy Crockett booking, fantasy booking <laughs> yeah. tag team tournament that that has finally ended. So I get a little bit of a break from that for a little bit before I'll return with, with those guys for uh, some S- SummerSlam preview and review shows. But uh, if you guys get a chance, check out the other ship. Uh, not only do they uh, talk wrestling. They'll talk food, they'll talk beer, they'll talk television, movies, everything under the sun, furniture, flowers, you know, they'll talk about everything. So give me a shot, give me a listen. Uh, hopefully you'll enjoy what you hear. Yeah, good people over there at the Other Ship Podcast, I have to say. And one more, you mentioned uh, mm-hmm. our boy Frankie Secrets last week. Uh, yeah. Frankie told me that uh, his podcast is uh, might make a comeback. They're trying wow, to rework it and and figure <laughs> out uh, how they're going to do it so it, they're not doing the same stuff as the other ship. So okay, well, it'll be good to see Frankie back. And uh, very cool. Good to hear. I'm glad to hear Frankie Secret still hanging around there and thinking about how to restructure things to make it a little different than the other ship. But uh, still, I mean, either way, the, all those guys, they have a great time chatting with one another. So I enjoy uh, both both versions of that that type of show. Yeah, all and really all class individuals, those guys. Michael Herrick, Chris Spiker, Drew Samuels to do a great job on the other ship. Also, uh, Jason D'Agostino, uh, he'll be back on the show shortly. He runs a, um, a sports podcast. I think it's called Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Okay. And um, I've listened to it a couple times, and it's, it's very informative. Right on. All right, I guess uh, that'll wrap things up, guys. Got our plugs out of the way for this week and uh, talked another couple weeks of GCW here in the month of April. We're not closing out the month just yet because we have a few days left in the month and big things about to go down, so we'll save those for the next episode. But hopefully we'll knock out another couple weeks, head into the next Omni card. But another Omni show out of the way as well. Big things happening each and every time out. Some of them a little more so than others, but what a fun time here this week, Jamie, that I've had with you. Once again, I want to thank you so much for being a part of the show. Uh, my pleasure. And next time you want me, just call. 
But that's going to do it. Roman Gomez is going to be back soon to talk more 1986 UWF. Jamie, I know you're going to be back here soon to talk more Georgia 81. Until then, this is your host, Ray Russell. You can find me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. It's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. And we'll see you back here soon for more regional wrestling, where we talk the territories. We'll be right back.